Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. You know, guys... I was really praying about and thinking about what do I need to bring to you guys as far as a series now that we could work our way through. And my mind kept going back to Paul's epistles, Paul's letters, and, and specifically the one letter, Philippians. One of the themes that we're going to find when we go through Philippians is the theme of joy. Now, how many of you have heard this, that God wants you to be happy? Have you heard that kind of thing before? I'm going to be honest with you, that that's a lie. <gasps> Are you sure? Yeah, I'm sure. God is not really concerned about your happiness, as you might define it. But God is concerned about your joy. Well, what's the difference? Well, happiness to us, folks, happiness to us is based upon how we're feeling. Do, do you know what I mean? Like, you know, when I go to McDonald's, and I like even last night we went to Wendy's. We don't have a Wendy's here. I like Wendy's. And I got a burger last night, and I ate my burger. I was feeling happy. Now, a little bit later on, I was not feeling happy anymore. Do you know what I mean? You can feel happy for the moment, but happiness goes away. In fact, if you're in the midst of garbage that's happening in your life, where your world is turning upside down and you don't know where to turn because it's like one blow after another, it's hard to be happy, right? It's hard to be happy when life is kicking you. But what the Bible tells us and what we're going to see in this letter is that you can still have joy in the midst of that. In fact, you're called to have joy in the midst of what you're going through. Now, I'm going to be honest with you, that is totally what I just said to you is foreign to us. Totally foreign to us, because that's not the message that we're hearing today. The message that we're hearing in North American Christianity is God wants you to be happy. And if you're not happy, there must be something wrong with you. No, folks, if you're not happy, you're normal, because that's life. So what we're going to do is, is we're going to enter into a series, I've, I've entitled it, The Struggle for Joy, because I'm going to be honest with you, when we talk about the Christian life, we're talking about a struggle. Does everybody hear me? When we talk about you walking with Jesus, when we talk about you walking close to Him and living the Christian life, we're talking about a struggle, a struggle for joy. Because why? We're pursuing godliness. And that's what our series is going to be about. So we want to start off in Philippians chapter 1 today and really look at what that means. Where does we start at? And, and what we're going to look at it today is the groundwork. Before I lay that, though, I do want to tell you a little bit about the struggle. And so I've listed a couple things that you need to consider when we talk about the struggle. The first one is this. We have wrong concepts of what it means to be a Christian. 
We have wrong concepts of what it means to be a Christian. What do you mean by that, George? Well, again, I've told you, we've got this subtle message that's out there that says that everything needs to be hunky-dory in your life. It needs to be roses from here on out. It needs to be wonderful. There should be no tragedies. There should be no broken relationships. There should be no difficulties, no struggles, no health issues, no money problems. It should be sun shining every time you walk outside. That's the concept we have sometimes about what Christianity is. Now, here's the problem. All of us know that that's not life, right? But here's what we'll do then. We'll, we'll qualify that and say, well, it must be because I'm not doing right or I don't have a good relationship with God or or this, that, or another. It must be because of me. Because if I was right with you, God, then everything would be wonderful. That's a wrong concept. In fact, I'll be honest with you. I, I, maybe I should apologize. Pastors sometimes convey that wrong message to you. Because you got it from somewhere. You got your thinking from somewhere. And I, I, and I just need to apologize for you, to you that we maybe communicated to you that once you got saved, everything was going to be okay. But have you noticed that once you got saved, it didn't get okay, it actually got worse? Do you know what I'm saying? I'm sorry that we communicated. In our zeal to get you to come to Jesus, we told you that everything was going to be all right. No, not necessarily. Because salvation doesn't remove you from this life. And as we understand it, this life is not the greatest life there is, is it? So we we have wrong concepts. So therefore, we struggle. So when stuff does happen, we start looking at ourselves. Oh, I must not be a good Christian. I must not be. I must not be right. Here's the other one. Oh God, what's wrong with you? What did I do? Why do you Why do you hate me? Why am I going through this? The struggle. Here's the other thing I want you to see. We see the struggle of the Christian life as being abnormal. We think that if someone is struggling and they're a believer, there must be a problem with them. In fact, we say stuff like this. Well, I wonder what they did. You know what I'm talking about? Wonder what they made God mad at. What did they do to deserve that? Those are the kind of statements we make. Why do we say that? Because in our concept of what it means to be a Christian, everything's got to be wonderful. I can eat all I want to eat and not gain weight. Isn't that what we think? That's the struggle, isn't it? Because we operate from a wrong frame of reference. So that's why I picked Philippians. Because we're dealing with a letter here that was written by listen to me, written by an apostle who at the time he wrote this letter was in prison, who is going through some struggles because he is living the Christian life and things aren't wonderful. And and just so you understand, when he's in prison, it's not like going to the county jail here, and that's not sweet either. But for him, it is terrible. It's dungeon. It's sickness. It's disease. It's you only get fed if you got friends on the outside who bring you food. That's the way the Roman system was. And he's going to talk to you about joy. 
and having joy and finding joy. So that's where we're going to start off today. So let's look. We're going to talk about the groundwork. We're going to talk about laying a groundwork these next few weeks about living the Christian life. Look with me. Philippians chapter 1. Look at what he says. Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the bishops and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you all with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Just as it is right for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my chains and in in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are all partakers with me of grace. For God is my witness, how I greatly long for you with the affection of Jesus Christ. What we have here, folks, is a prayer the beginning part of a prayer. We're just looking at the first part of it. When they wrote letters back then, it's not like when we do write letters now. We write letters now. You remember when you're in school, you learn you got to have a heading, you got to put the date, you got to put, you know, their their name and their address, and then you say, Dear Sir, or, or Dear Who, or Dear Sweetie, okay? And then you start off your letter, and then, and then when you get to the end, you say, Sincerely yours, or in love, or or whatever, George, or whatever your name is. That's how we write letters. Well, back in the ancient days, they didn't write letters like that. They wrote off, starting off saying, Hey, it's me, Paul. I'm writing you. And they start off with a thanksgiving or a prayer. They start off talking about what they're thankful about concerning the person that they're writing to. And that's what we have here, is Paul's writing these Philippians, and he's going to start off thanking God for them for certain things. And what we see here is, as I was looking at this, I thought, well, you know, I could talk about how Paul was thankful and, and his relationship with them. And I thought, no, 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 there's, there's something far deeper here for you and I to grasp. Because what Paul's thankful for is what their life is based on as a Christian. It's the groundwork from which we live our lives. And sometimes you and I need to be reminded about some basic things about your walk with Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? About your relationship with God. And it comes right out of this prayer of thanksgiving. So what we're going to see here is is we're going to see the confidence. Are you ready for this? The confidence that God has in you. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because for a lot of you, you don't have any confidence because life's falling down around you. You're kind of wondering if God loves you. Does he even care for you? you kind of like you're, some of you maybe are even at the point where you're ready to throw in the towel because life has dealt you the wrong deck of cards and it couldn't get any worse. But yet the, the scene is rumbling. You hear something coming and it's not the light at the end of the tunnel, meaning a way out. It's a train that's coming. 
And so you wonder, and you're shaken. Some of you are shaken in your faith. And you need to know that God has confidence in you. And what that's based on. So we're going to talk about the confidence that God has in you and I. And we're going to see several things here. So notice with me, first of all, look at verse 3. He says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Here's what it says. The thought of believers brings thankfulness. Can you, can you comprehend that for a moment? Could, could you, can you comprehend the Holy Spirit saying right now that every time he thinks of you, he's thankful? That will blow some of our minds away because when we think about ourselves, we think about our mess-ups. We think about our failures. If we think about what we haven't accomplished, we think about what was what we did or said or didn't do or whatever. We, we just think about all the negative about us. We're just weighed down by the negative. Have you noticed that? We're just weighed down by the garbage of our life. Do, do you know what I mean? And, and so any because you, you said, so when you think of me, you think of me, and it brings about thankfulness? That's what Paul's saying here. He's addressing a group of people. Now, let me just stop for a moment. I'm sure that there had to be at least one or two people that ticked Paul off in the Philippian church. Because that's normal. When you get a group of people together, not everybody's going to be happy. Somebody's going to rub somebody wrong. That's life, isn't it? But when Paul says he's thinking about the Philippian church, here's what it says it brings from him. Thankfulness. And that's the first concept you've got to be grasping in your life. As we begin to understand the struggle of the Christian life and the struggle for joy in our life, when God sees us, he's thankful for us. Isn't that awesome? Even in spite of you, even in spite of what went wrong, he's thankful. That is so awesome. If we could only grasp it and hold on to it. But that's just the first truth. It gets better than that. Look at what the next thing he says there. Look with me at verse 4. It says this, Always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you with all what? Joy. So he's not just thankful. Look at what he says here. He has joy when he prays for believers. He's got joy. So when he's, he's thinking about you, he's thankful. But when he prays for you, he's excited. He has joy. You say, well, that's, that's the apostle Paul praying for them. He's got joy. But I don't know that you can equate that with God. I can equate it with Jesus. How can you do that? Because Hebrews chapter 4 tells us that we have a great high priest who what? Intercedes on our behalf. Now what, what is intercession? Anybody know what intercession is? Prayer. You bring joy to the heart of God. How, how do you know that, George? Well, Psalm 37, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights 
in them. God delights in your life. Isn't that awesome? I mean, if you think about that for a moment, I mean, I, you know, again, so think about it. We're being beat up. Boom, boom. We're just getting, I mean, it's, it's just terrible. And we start wondering, does he love me? Does he care for me? And, and those are the natural things that go through our mind. Is there something wrong with me? If I, I mean, it should be better than this because we're operating under these wrong concepts. Here we're starting off in this letter, and it's reinforcing a couple of ideas that you and I need to grasp. Number one, he's thankful for you. Number two, he has joy in you. You're being joy to his life. I'm, how many, we got parents here who have had kids. Do you, do you, do, how many times do you remember when you when your kids brought a smile to your face? Did you remember that when you were proud of your kids, or they said something, or remember when they did something stupid and you laughed? Did you know what I'm saying? That that even though they did something dumb, you laughed. You didn't want it to see it. You're like. You're trying to be controlled, but in the inside, you're like, ah, I can't believe they did that. That's a loving parent, right? When are we going to grasp the reality of a God who is thankful for us and has joy in us? That's the groundwork. Man, even if we just started off there, that'd be enough, wouldn't it? But he goes on. Listen more what he's saying in his prayer here. He goes on. What else does he say, George? Well, look at what he says. Verse 5. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. He is concerned about the believer's involvement in the gospel. So he's concerned about your involvement, how you're living your life for him. He's concerned about that. He's not just praying with joy when he thinks about you, but he is concerned about how you live in your life, where you are. You say, well, I'm not called to be a preacher. I'm not called to be this, or I'm not called to do that. I'm just me at where I'm working, and, 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 and you know, I don't even like where I'm at. But I'm never, I, what does that mean, George? What he, look, but he puts you where you're at. And he's concerned about you living your life for him there. So that others can see in your life, because they're going through it too. So that they can see in your life Jesus, and your hope in Jesus, and your trust in Jesus, and your joy in Jesus. Do you know what I mean? I'll never forget it. You know, Some of you know, I've shared with you before. Some of you may not know, because we have some new folks here. Back in 1986, my, my dad was murdered, September of 86, for $75. I was a brand new Christian. I hadn't even been saved a year and a half yet. So I'm a baby Christian. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, I, I look back on that time, and I, and I still don't understand it, but I had a strength and a peace that carried me through that. I mean, it's a traumatic thing when you lose your daddy. Period. You know, you know what I mean? But it's even a tra- even more traumatic thing when he's taken from you. 
All right? And I remember somebody coming up to me in my church saying, I don't know how you're getting through this, but I had to tell, just tell you that, that I'm amazed. And I'm like, I don't know how I'm getting through this either. It was God. Do you see what I'm saying? God's concerned for how you live your life where you are. So that when you face the junk of life, because everybody faces it, people are looking at you and saying, how are you getting through this? And you say, it's my faith in Jesus. He's getting me through this. I don't understand it. But he's getting me through this. So, number one, he's thankful. Number two, I bring joy to him. Number three, he's concerned for me. Isn't that awesome? Here's the fourth one. When it comes to the believer's life, his confidence is in God. Look at what it says there. Verse 6. Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it unto the day of Jesus Christ. So here's the apostle. He's saying, you know what, when I think about you Philippian believers, and I think about you growing in your relationship with Jesus, and you continuing in life no matter with what life's throwing at you, I have a confidence concerning you. But here's my confidence concerning you. My confidence concerning you is not in you. It's in the God who works in you. That's where my confidence is. Isn't that awesome? So, like, you know what? When I look at you as a pastor, and and, and I know that everybody here is at a different place in their walk with Jesus, and they're maturing and so forth, and you're growing and everything, I have a confidence that is in you, and it's not based upon you. It's based upon the God who has begun a work in you. And that He, God, is going to complete the work that He wants to do in your life. That's where we can place our confidence in. Because if I place my confidence in myself, how am I doing? I am not doing good. Just ask Lori. I ain't doing good. You know what I'm saying? Just ask your spouse, how are you doing? Not good. You know what I'm saying? I mean, how many of you have had an attitude-free week? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Some of you are like, well, yeah. Wish I had one. There, there's no such thing as an attitude-free week. Period. None. Confidence is not in ourselves. When it comes to the believer's life, His confidence is in God. God is doing the work in you. So think about that. He's got thankful for you. He's got joy for you. He is concerned about you living the life. But he's got confidence concerning you. Why? Because God's the one working in your life. That's the groundwork you've got to start. He's not giving up on you. He's not giving up on you. He, in fact, remember we talked about Ephesians. We talked about we're his masterpiece. He's prepared things for us. 
He's got something He wants to accomplish in our lives. He's going to help us to do it. That is so awesome. And then finally, here's the thing. Believers are partakers of God's grace. All right, so here you are. You might be here, you're ready to throw in the towel. Because you've messed up. And life has not gone the way you thought it would go. And you're maybe here, you know, Jim sang the song about forgiveness, and, and one of the things you can't forgive in your life is forgiving yourself. That's a big one, isn't it? And you don't have any grasp of any thought in your mind of how much God cares for you. In fact, you think that's the farthest thing that could be possible for you. That God could forgive you. That God could love you. That God could care for you. Here's how he describes them. Look with me at the bottom of verse 8. Excuse me, the bottom of verse 7. You all, he must be from southern Israel, okay? You all, all right? You all are partakers with me of grace. What does that mean, George? That means that we experience God's grace in our lives. Now, what is that, George? Grace is this, getting what you don't deserve. Mercy. Forgiveness. Acceptance. Love. All of that is wrapped up into one word, grace. You and I are partakers of God's grace. And here's the thing. It's unconditional. What does that mean? It's not based on you. It's based on who? Jesus. So let me just back up now. So think about it. The groundwork in our lives is we're thinking about living this life. We've got these wrong concepts. We think it's abnormal to go through problems, but it's not. It's just life. So here I am. We're trying to lay a groundwork in our life to understand the struggle that we're in for joy, for the peace, for the love that we have in God. And he lays out five things right there for us that you need to be grasping in your life. Number one, he's thankful for you. Number two, you bring joy to his life. Number three, he's concerned for you and how you're living your life for him. Number four, that he's what? Got a confidence, not based upon you, but upon God about your life and what God's going to complete doing, what he's going to to do in your life. And then number five, you're a partaker of God's grace. Isn't that awesome? Man, you've got to grasp it. You've got to own it. You've got to rest in it so that when you leave from here and life continues to throw the kitchen sink at you, you've got a confidence. Not in what life throws at you, not even in yourself, but in God. And because you understand how he sees you, how he loves you, how he cares for you.
Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.